0: Nerd Vomit, my name is Doug, I'm a nerd, and this is my vomit. Not a whole lot in the vomitorium this week, um, but what is there is going to be just one, two punches of of goodness, of nerdiness. Uh, First off, I saw Glass, and yes, this episode will contain spoilers. Glass was adequate. Um, It was nice seeing kind of the Unbreakable Trilogy finally conclude once again, uh, open ended, open endedly in that you know it's revealed that not only superheroes exist; they've always existed, and people with clover tattoos have stopped them from becoming known. And of course, the mastermind, Mr. Glass, uh, streams this mediocre fight scene between uh, Bruce Willis and James McAvoy to, like, you know, the world, effectively undoing all the work these clover tattooed people are, which. The Clover people, like, never got brought up. Apparently it's been in M. Night's head since Unbreakable, and I don't know if there are references to it. I don't know if there are people with, like, the tattoos and you just never noticed. I don't remember it at all in that or Split. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. Also coming out of nowhere was the fact that when I saw it, I lost the last ten minutes of audio at the theater, which was, you know, I got a free movie ticket out of it, but I'd already paid for, you know, the movie itself, so really I broke even. But it was like, oh, the big reveal of that he was streaming everything out uh, was kind of lost on me, and uh, kind of the consequences of that were kind of lost on me. Um, the fact that his big twist, uh, the, f- the few big twists were that, you know, Mr. Glass both created David Dunn, Bruce Willis's character, by wreck, you know wrecking a train, um, to prove that he was unbreakable, and killing the father who uh, of the horde of James McAvoy, thus creating the beast, uh, the super-strength, wall-crawling um, psychopath. That was, you know, all right. Uh, and then the fact that, you know, it's it's the third part of a trilogy, and it's revealed that it's kind of an origin story. They go, you know, this isn't the end, this is the beginning. And Shyamalan has said that he's probably not going to go back to the Unbreakable Realm, uh, that kind of shared universe. Uh, that he's got original ideas, and that's what he wants to work on. In the end, Glass was a lot of exposition and i know that there were some people in the theater that i'm sure there was a girlfriend i could tell that had gotten dragged there by a boyfriend because there was a lot of who's that what's he whose car is that why is he wearing a hat and the the narrative framing that the, the exhibition exposition took on was mr glass elijah and his mom talking about comic books and it was just so on the nose but not in a good way where it's 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 like in 28 Weeks later, the zombie movie, where, like, every five seconds, they're like, well, I hope the grenade doesn't go off, or, like, I hope a bomb doesn't do something, and I hope the wall doesn't break, and I hope the zombies don't come in. Like, everything, they were like, I hope it doesn't, and then it did. And there was no reason to foreshadow that. It was it was just relentlessly dumb. Um, and in that, that's where the exposition in Glass kind of hit me, where I was like, A, I've watched, you know, Unbreakable and, and Split, so I knew what was going on. Uh, I don't know why, you know, it it, it. it is a standalone movie, but it doesn't stand on its own as well as Unbreakable and Split. Uh, Split, of course, being a secret sequel to uh, Hollywood's first one, a secret sequel to uh, Unbreakable. And if you can get through the exposition and uh, kind of lackluster fight scenes, Bruce Willis and James McAvoy are pretty much the reasons to watch it. The subtlety of Bruce Willis's coming into his own from being this, like, overseer character was was nice. Um, the fact that he was kind of, he kind of owned uh, being a s- grounded superhero. I liked that. Uh, and his moments of doubt uh, were quietly powerful. Uh, but James McAvoy stole the show with all of the different personalities from the Horde, like Dennis and, of course, Hedwig, who was both chilling and comical, it was one of those every time the tension with the horde would come up with all of his different personalities and Miss Patricia talking um, and the tension to be broke, Hedwig would come in and say something so adorable yet so uh, almost disturbingly innocent, you know, the, the the only way a child could say something. Um, Jim's McAvoy is the reason to go see Glass and, you know, just to kind of tie off, put a tourniquet on the bloody stump uh, that was... Uh, This trilogy. Speaking of things coming back, uh, Arrow's mid season premiere uh, had some big things. Uh, Arrow working for the Star City Police was interesting. I like that some of the police don't want him there, don't appreciate him as he was a vigilante. You do um, find out that the new green Arrow is his other half sister who. I'm sorry, but, like, it's it's almost adequate. I think it's lazy when you're like, oh, and there was a secret sister here. Like, th- the fact that Thea was, you know, his sister, and then you find out it's his half-sister, and that's why she's not blonde, because she's Merlin's sister, or uh, Merlin's daughter. That was awesome. It was a great reveal for the first couple seasons. But having, like, a half-Japanese, half-sister that just kind of comes out of nowhere and lives in Star City, so it makes no sense, um, and you don't really find out, like, her backstory much, Um, I mean, obviously the name of the episode was, you know, I'm, uh, my name's Amico Queen, so you immediately know the new Green Arrow is someone associated with Oliver Queen, and it's his half-sister who kind of came out of nowhere, but it'd be interesting to see kind of her join kind of a Team Arrow vibe, uh, since the team's kind of split up um, with the anti-vigilante laws, and the stuff in the future is alright, it's like... Apparently Felicity was going to blow up Star City for reasons. The fact that it's a cancer, much like Gotham City, apparently. Uh, uh, whatever. The future stuff isn't. It's kind of cool, but it, it's not really impressing me the way the flashbacks did in the first five seasons. Um, speaking of things that impressed me, I beat the South Park Fractured Butthole video game, and yes, of course, I've always said I'm kind of late to the game on this, being it's it's been out for a while. It is easily one of the funnest. And funniest games I've ever played, and I highly recommend it. And it's got great replayability. Um, There's stuff I haven't done, uh, little side missions that I'm gonna go back and finish. Not anytime soon, uh, because tomorrow Kingdom Hearts two, I'm sorry, Kingdom Hearts three comes out, and I've already pre-ordered it, and I'm gonna play the crap out of it. That's pretty much gonna be my whole next day tomorrow. And like I said, anytime South Park comes out with a game again, I am not gonna wait. I'm not gonna him and haw over it. Uh, I, they have proven to stay on brand and to put out quality uh, games. You know, it makes me kind of want to go uh, grab Stick of Truth, their first game, which was kind of a fantasy RPG, um, because their superhero RPG, The Fractured Butthole, Whole, was so fun and so engaging, and I don't know how many hours I spent playing it. Um, I did get an email from the PlayStation Network, and it was like, here's your year in review, and I looked at how many hours I've played, and it is Impressive and depressing at the uh, same time. Uh, it turns out I've, I've been playing Spider-Man, uh, Sony Spider-Man, for 103 hours. Uh, worth it, though. So worth it. 91 hours on God of War, which, once again, worth it. And 75 hours on Batman Arkham Knight, which really did suck me in uh, once I got into it. But at some point I was like, I just gotta beat the game. I'm not gonna dick around with side missions. Uh, and uh, I've been I've been playing Spyro 2 just as a, a spot filler um, until Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out. Uh, it's fun. I can't believe it's like kind of like a, not an outright kids game, um, but it's, you know, not like a more mature game like uh, Batman Arkham Asylum or Spider-Man or God of War. Um, and I cannot beat one of the bosses. It is batshit crazy how hard, how difficult um, one of the bosses, I believe his name is Gulp, is, he just shoots magic missiles at you, and it's, and he can, like, heal the way you can, and it's, oh my god, uh, my hands are cramping just thinking about uh picking up the controller and trying to take him out. Again, I spent at least an, a solid hour, a couple hours, like, trying to take him down last week, and I just, I got so frustrated, I just put it away, Um and started playing the My Hero Academia video game, which is almost completely in Japanese, so, you know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, I'm um, gonna end up selling it. To get um, a deposit amount for uh, Jump Force, which is a huge anime game that comes out next month that's got characters from Naruto, One Piece, um, Fist of the North Star, Dragon Ball Z, My Hero Academia, um, you can play as Deku, uh, amongst a a bunch of others. Um, And I am really looking forward to that uh, being kind of a. It's got a bunch of the old animes that I used to watch. Um, and we're huge fans of, I'm a huge Dragon Ball Z fan and Dragon Ball Super, so, um, very excited for that. And lastly, uh, I was very excited for the Good Place finale that, man, once again, they turn conventions on their head every time. That show, I don't know how they keep it so fresh. I don't know where they come up with the ideas where they're like, you know what, let's, instead of Michael being the architect of the Good Place neighborhood, let's, let's have him have a panic attack um because he knows the true evil of the bad place. Long story short. And like now people think that uh Eleanor's the architect and they had to mind wipe Chidi to keep the experiment going. And just as they like, you know, had finally found love, it's ripped away from him, uh almost like a, with with a Joss Whedon viciousness, since love n- never survives in, in Joss Whedon uh writing. And it's just it's it's heartbreaking. That they know Chidi and he doesn't know them, and, uh, you know, his ex-girlfriend is one of the new uh, humans in the neighborhood, and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be like a weird triangle with Chidi and Eleanor and the ex-girlfriend whose name I, I uh, Simone, I want to say? Something like that. Um, but man, Good Place. It was one of those shows that I just, I thought it was like kind of a paint-by-color uh, network sitcom, and... When I binged the first season, I was just blown away. The fact that, you know, and the selling point really initially was that it was the same guy who did Brooklyn Nine-Nine and co-created Parks and Rec. So I knew it was going to be funny and smart, but I I did not know how funny and smart and addictive and engaging that show was going to be and how subtly it's just, it's so good. So good. Um, and that's that's the vomitorium as I start running out of steam. Uh, as I have, uh, I've already recorded one show and I've got to record another show after this. So there you are. There's the vomitorium. We'll be back next week. Uh, my name is Doug. I'm a nerd. It's vomit, nerd vomits. Uh, and I'm out like a boner in sweatpants. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right exotic liability, and no applause, just the clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.